Welcome again to Ophthocast, the audio podcast channel dedicated to ophthalmology. We are a team at Ophthocast who strive to provide you audio talks on ophthalmology which are more practical and easily understandable, targeted at students and residents alike. After a grueling session, we are back with the second part of our talk on pupil. In the previous episode, we covered the anatomy, neural pathways and the efferent defects. Today we go further and try to describe more pupillary defects. Most of the other defects cause anisocoria, unequal pupil size. The pupil size can be affected by the problems of either sphincter or dilator muscle. First task is to ascertain the muscle affected. Anisocoria increasing in dark can be attributed to failure of the dilator muscle and anisocoria in light condition can be attributed to the sphincter muscle. These are the conditions in which these muscles are supposed to act at their best. Dilator involvement is seen in limited conditions. The sphincter being involved in accommodation has more variety of conditions linked to its dysfunction. The most important of the dilator deficit is Horner's syndrome. In the sphincter-related condition comes acute and chronic Aedes pupil, Argyle-Robertson pupil and Wernicke's hemianopic pupil. First, let's have a look at the Horner's pupil. Horner's syndrome is a triad of meiosis, ptosis and hemifacial anhydrosis. The common factor to all these three actions? Yes, the sympathetic system. The defect lies in the sympathetic efferents supplying the dilator pupillae. The course of the sympathetic nerves to the pupil is long. They start at the neck, travel along the carotids, through the ciliary ganglion, reach the pupil. A defect in the pathway leads to Horner syndrome. Now, these can have defects as well. For example, an apical lung tumour or a birth trauma to the upper arm. This leads to a sympathetic palsy. Loss of sympathetic nerve supply will lead to paralysis of Mueller's muscle in the eyelid. Paralysis of dilator pupillae and loss of sweating in the particular half of the face. The classical Horner syndrome. The pupil in Horner syndrome is meiotic due to unopposed action of the sphincter pupillae leading to anisocoria. Also, the affected small pupillae doesn't dilate completely in response to darkness. So, the anisocoria is profound in darkness. The pupil acts lazy and dilates slowly showing a dilation lag. A Horner's pupil will dilate less in response to cocaine drops. Cocaine is a reputate inhibitor of the sympathetic system. So, if there is an impulse fired and neurotransmitter released, Cocaine potentiates the action. Cocaine can dilate a normal pupil by accentuated response of the dilator pupillae, but in a Horner's pupil, the neurotransmitter is not released at all. Hence, no effect of cocaine drops. At least 0.8 mm of pupillary disparity with cocaine drops is diagnostic of Horner's pupil. Localization of the defect as pre- or post-ganglionic can be done with hydroxyamphetamine test. 
Hydroxyamphetamine stimulates the nerve to release the neurotransmitter stored in their vesicles. In case the damage is to the postganglionic fibers, the axons at the pupil will be long dead and there would be no neurotransmitter to be released. If the damage is preganglionic, the terminal axons will be alive and kicking. Here, the hydroxyamphetamine will lead to pupillary dilatation. Although a well-described test, cocaine and hydroxyamphetamine drops are rare to find. It is also important to note that cluster headache may also cause a painful Horner syndrome during an acute attack. The Horner syndrome often resolves but may be permanent after repeated attacks. Second pupillary defect we describe is tonic ADS pupil. Technically, it is a postganglionic parasympathetic nerve injury or palsy. Here, the damage is to the parasympathetic nerves after they leave the ciliary ganglion. It produces a tonic pupil with poor light reaction. Here, the sphincter is de-innovated with regard to the parasympathetic fibers. There can be two forms of this condition. One is the acute one and the second is chronic. First, let us see what happens in acute condition. In acute tonic ADS pupil, the insult is recent and there is no time for regeneration. Here, the sphincter muscle lies de-innovated for all functions. This can be complete or sectoral. In sectoral condition, only few sectors of iris sphincter muscle are involved. Since the nerve which conveys the signal for sphincter is involved, there is no action of the sphincter muscle. This leads to loss of light reflex and accommodation reflex. The pupil remains in a sustained mid-dilatation. This condition can be due to many reasons. The insult to the postganglionic parasympathetic nerves can be due to surgical procedures, trauma, laser, infections, inflammation or ischemia. It may also be part of systemic conditions like diabetes mellitus, chronic alcoholism, dysautonomias, neurosyphilis, amyloidosis, sarcoidosis, the Miller-Fisher variant of Guillain-Barre syndrome or Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease. The association of this condition with neurosyphilis is legendary and historically prominent. Some books reserve the name tonic ADS pupil for the idiopathic variety. What happens in long-standing cases of tonic ADS pupil? They are chronic ADS pupil. Here happens something very interesting. The ciliary ganglion has both light reflex fibers and accommodative fibers destined to the sphincter muscle. The accommodative fibers outnumber the light reflex fibers. So, the large number of accommodative fibers, while regenerating, enters the neural tube of light reflex fibers. Now, we have a sphincter muscle which is very strongly innervated by the accommodative fibers and less of light reflex fibers. Also, this regeneration takes time. By then, the iris muscle also undergoes some amount of disuse atrophy. Let's deduce what will we see in this case clinically. All reactions in such an iris will be tonic due to the atrophy. Light reflex will be reduced due to less number of light reflex fibers. 
the constriction of pupil to near response will be intact or profound but slow. We will be able to see a differential response of iris sphincter to light stimulus and near stimulus. This is known as near light dissociation. The slow near response will cause the patient to present with difficulty in refocusing from distance to near. The light reflex remains severely affected even after a long time and the patients may present with photophobia. Another interesting aspect of tonic ADS pupil is a supersensitivity to weak parasympathomimetic solutions like 0.1% pilocarpin drops. Examined after about an hour of instilling the drops, the affected eye will constrict more than the normal eye. This pattern of pupillary reaction with diminished deep tendon reflexes and orthostatic hypertension is known as Holmes AD syndrome. We just covered one aspect of light near dissociation, which happens at the level of ciliary ganglion. What if the disparity of accommodative and light reflex fibers happens at a higher level? When we go to a higher level towards the cortex, we see the Argyle Robertson pupil. This is seen in tertiary syphilis involving the central nervous system. These patients have a meiotic pupil which may be irregular. The pupil do not react to light but react to near stimulus. But the redilation from this meiosis is very brisk, a feature not seen in chronic ADs. Gradually, iris atrophy is also seen. This iris atrophy leads to poor pharmacological responses. Another cause of light near disassociation is any form of aberrant regeneration. It's easy to comprehend. Damaged nerves try to regrow and get into the wrong tract. The cortex intends to do something and ends up doing something else. Another cause of anisocoria is trauma. Trauma causes sudden meiosis or midriasis. The response is poor with both light and near stimulus. Even acute angle closure can mimic traumatic pupil. Let me tell you another situation. Imagine a patient with right homonymous hemonopia. That means the patient is unable to see anything in the right side. If a light is shown from the right, will the pupil dilate? Going back to the first part of this topic, the pupillary fibers from the IPRGCs travel along the optic tract, just short of the LGB and then divert. So an optic tract lesion on the left side, much before the LGB, will cut off the light perception as well as pupillary inputs for that side of the visual field. So the light shining from the right side will not be perceived. However, if the light is shown from the left side or straight ahead, the pupillary reactions will seem normal. This is known as Wernicke's hemianopic pupil. When talking about pupil, it would be incomplete to miss out on abnormal pupil shapes. Congenital malformations like coloboma takes the center stage here. Acquired conditions like trauma or post-surgical causes comes to a close second. The latter can even cause iridodialysis. Synechiae in cases of uveitis can also lead to irregular pupil. 
tadpole-shaped pupil is seen due to focal spasm of the iris dilator muscle, causing a peaking of the pupil that lasts a few minutes. This phenomenon may occur numerous times over several days or a week and then disappear. It is a mild condition in most patients, but a small percentage harbour an underlying sympathetic lesion. Thus, pharmacologic testing for Homer syndrome is recommended. In rare cases, eccentric or oval pupils are present in patients with rostral midbrain disease. This is known as midbrain correctopia. This abnormality is presumably caused by incomplete damage of the pupillary fibres, leading to selective inhibition of iris sphincter tone. Pupil is a gruelling topic, pursued by the entire medical fraternity. However, it is our domain and we need to be well versed by the various conditions seen in pupil. Hope you have enjoyed this episode. That's all for now. It's Team Off The Cast signing off. Do keep us updated on our email offthecast at the rate gmail.com or on our website www.offthecast.com with your comments, feedbacks and demands. Subscribe to us on all leading podcast players by searching for Off The Cast. These audios are in no way a replacement to your standard textbook. We strive to be factually correct, but to err is human. Keep us posted if you disagree with anything that has been said in these recordings. We would be happy to make amendments with due credits. Thank you for being with us and giving us your valuable time. Goodbye and Godspeed.